Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. and using the authority inherent in that name. It's important to understand not only how to phonetically pronounce the name of Jesus, the G and the Zus, that's step one, knowing how to phonetically say it. But if all you do is just pronounce the name or just speak the name, but there's no firm root of understanding in your heart as to what that name means for you and what that name or the power that is behind that name and the authority that is inherent in that name, it ain't going to do you much good. And I feel like many times there are Christians, good Christians, good-hearted Christians, but they use the name of Jesus like it's a four-leaf clover, like it's a rabbit's foot that you have tied on your keychain, like it's some lucky charm that we use to hopefully turn things for our good in our favor. But God didn't give us the usage or the permission to use the name of Jesus as a lucky charm or something we can just throw up in the air and hope it sticks. The name of Jesus carries real power that when you tap into the resources behind that name and carry an understanding, you know, it's important to understand things in the Bible. It's not good enough just to quote. It's not good enough just to say, Jesus, 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 like you're a machine gun. You know, a lot of people, that's how they, that's the only knowledge they have of the name of Jesus. That if anything, you know, they back into a corner, they're backed up to a wall, the devil has them cornered, that they just speed, speed speak the name of Jesus, 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 Jesus. And, and, and nothing happens, nothing turns. And then they wonder, man, is there really power in that name? Well, If you don't understand what the name carries and the power within the name of Jesus, if you have no, if it's just a superficial knowledge of the name, you know, in Acts chapter 16, the Bible, or 19 rather, Acts chapter 19, the seven sons of Sceva, they used the name of Jesus. The Bible says there was a man that was demonized who had superhuman power. And when the seven sons of Sceva came to exorcise the demon, They said, we adjure you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out of the man. Well, what did the demon respond? He said, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? Who are you? So what was the demon saying? We know who Jesus is, and we don't mess around with him. We got our rear end cast out of many people while he was roaming the earth. We also know who Paul is. Because Paul's connected to Christ, he abides in Christ, he's a man in Christ, and he understands the power in the name of Jesus, so we don't mess with him either. But who the heck are you? And the Bible says the man in whom the evil spirit was um, overpowered the seven sons of Sceva, beat them up so that they left the house bruised, wounded, and naked. And so it wasn't enough just to say Jesus. They said Jesus but because they had no understanding about their relationship and also the power of attorney that God has given the believer in Jesus' name, it didn't work for them. 
It was useless. It, it didn't provide the results they were hoping for. And so I want to go through what is in the name of Jesus, the wonders that are in the name of Jesus that will allow you not only to have victory in your own life, not only to, to break free from whatever demonic hindrance has been trying to, to latch you down and suppress and oppress you, not only so that you can receive healing yourself, but that you can be thoroughly equipped and have a bold confidence that when I use that name, I too, like Mark 16 says, in my name, I too will cast out demons. In Jesus' name, I too will lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. I don't want you to be like the seven sons of Sceva, that they just, they just repeated the name. It's not enough just to repeat the name. You have to understand what's in the name. What does that name mean for me? And then when that happens, that's when you start to see miracle signs and wonders released at will. You know, Jesus said in John 14, let me read it. John 14 and verse 12. This is what Jesus spoke. John 14, 12. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I'm going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Yes, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Jesus was saying, most assuredly, you actually, you guys are sad that I'm leaving, but it's actually to your advantage. Because when I go to the Father, you see the works that you've seen me do? These works you're going to do. You see how I've cast out demons at will? You see how I have dominion over all the power of the devil? You see how when I lay hands on sick people, I see them recover? You see how I've raised the dead? He said, those same things, I'm going to empower you to do it. And even greater works shall you do. Because I'm going to the Father. And then he tells us how these greater works are going to come to pass. He didn't say it's going to be mysteriously happening. Or he didn't say that it's just going to, you know, it's just going to be a, a sovereign selection. That when I choose to use you in those ways, that's when it's going to work. But if not, then you know what? Just trust the process. Hope, understand what I'm doing behind the scenes. No. He said the secret to how these greater works are going to be released in our lives he said, and whatever you demand in my name. Now in your Bible, it might say ask in my name. But if you study the Greek word, it actually means to demand. And we're not, see, this is not Jesus speaking about prayer. John 16, 23 and 24, and we're going to get there. He talks about using the name in prayer. However, in John 14, he's not talking about using the name in prayer. He's, at, he's saying, whatever you demand in life. Goodness gracious. Hold on. This thing. Because I keep on falling, I'm going to lose power. There you go. That should work. All right, resume. Whatever you demand in prayer, whatever you, you demand, not in prayer, sorry, whatever you demand in life, whatever circumstance is, is, is around you, whatever unfavorable situation that you find yourself in, Jesus said you can demand things. From life. Life doesn't give you what you deserve. Life gives you what you demand. I want you to write that out in the comment section. Life doesn't give me what I deserve. Life gives me what I demand. Life doesn't give me what I deserve. Life gives me what I demand. Because if you just live life 
as it comes. You just take it as it goes. I'm going to give you know, you can't control things in life. That's not true. As an unredeemed person, those things are true. You can't control anything. But Jesus didn't give you his name so that you can live a life of disarray, a life of trouble, a life of just take it as it comes, a life of the enemy's going to be mad at you and he's going to do things to you and you just got to endure to the end. Jesus didn't give you his name so you can endure. Jesus gave you his name so you can take charge in life, so you can take authority over the things that used to dominate you. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you see me operate in this dominion, this unhindered flow. Everywhere I go, I call things into, into existence. Everywhere I go, the sick are healed. Everywhere I go, demons tremble and are troubled by my presence. And he said, you see that power that you've witnessed in me? The same thing I'm giving to you and greater works, greater works, not necessarily in, necessarily in quality because there's no greater quality than the resurrection of the dead, but greater quantity. And he said, greater work shall you do because I'm going to the Father. And then he says, I'm gonna, the reason why you're going to be able to do these greater works, the reason why you're going to be able to walk in the dominion that you've witnessed me walk in is because I'm going to give you the all-powerful, matchless, wonderful, magnificent, excellent name of Jesus. You have that name. And so it's like, you know, there can be oil. Some, some people literally live on land and there's oil in their backyard and they're struggling to pay their bills. Not because they don't have the resources to pull the finances in to actually pay it. It's because it's an untapped resource. Untapped resource. They don't know it's there. They've not drilled to get it. They haven't dug deep to acquire it. And I wonder if one of the greatest untapped resources in the church today is the name of Jesus. That we know, we know it exists. You know, we know, like that guy, I know oil exists. Oil could very well be in my backyard. But we don't know. We haven't tapped into it. We haven't searched. We haven't dug up. Don't be like that when it comes to spiritual things. S study, the Bible says, to show thyself approved, a workman who need not be ashamed. You know those seven sons of Sceva? They were ashamed when they tried to cast out the demon because they hadn't studied to show themselves approved in the usage and the power of the name of Jesus. So you, you want to tap into the resources behind that name. I might be jumping the gun, but behind the name of Jesus is all the resources of heaven. There's provision in his name. There's healing in his name. There's dominion and authority in his name. There is salvation in his name. There is forgiveness in his name. There is the release of the anointing in his name. All these things are, in, are, are inherent, carried in the name of Jesus. It's like, remember when Zika broke out in like 2012 or whatever? Everyone was worried about being bit by a mosquito because in the mosquito was the virus called Zika. It carried Zika. And wherever it went, if it bit you, if it stung you, if it, if it drew blood from you, you had the, the possibility of carrying that virus too. Well, in the name of Jesus are wonders. In the name of Jesus are signs and miracles. In the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus carries all of God's power. Remember when Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, he said, all authority 
in heaven and on earth belongs to me. And then he turned to his disciples and he said, I give you the key to that authority. Well, what do you think the key to that authority is? It's the name of Jesus. So all authority, you know, you, when you start to see this and understand what I'm telling you right now, you start to have a disrespect for the devil. I think that far too much preaching today, it aims to give people too much respect for the devil. Everything's tackled from the side or the angle of fear that he's some formidable foe that we really have to be on the alert for. Yes, be on the alert. Your adversary prowls around like a roaring lion. Don't be ignorant of his existence. Don't be ignorant of his schemes. Don't be ignorant of his attacks, of his devices, of his schemes. However, the Bible says that all authority in heaven and on earth has already been given to Jesus. So Jesus already has all authority. Well, if Jesus has all authority, how much authority is left for the devil? No authority. He has no authority. He has no, the Bible says all power has been given to Jesus. Revelation 5, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive all power, all wisdom, all riches. That leaves the devil with no wisdom, no riches, and no power. And so if I can do one thing in this broadcast today is to show you how rich you are because of Jesus' name and how poor and how de defeated and how destroyed the devil's camp is as a result of his defeat at the cross at Calvary. There's, I want to make this broadcast do this for you. Give you an utter disrespect for the devil. And a deep awe, reverence, and respect for the name of Jesus Christ. So that you leave this place. Not walking around like you got slapped and broken and bruised. How many of you know we're all broken? We're all broken. You know, you were broken. He binds up the brokenhearted. He heals all their wounds. The Bible says that God, part of the, the purpose of the anointing is to heal the brokenhearted. God, by His anointing, when you get saved, when you come to Christ, He heals your brokenness. He makes you complete. He gives you shalom. Shalom means perfect completion. You're not broken. You're not a broken down uh, de destroyed, wretched, depraved thing anymore. You've been born again. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you now have access and privilege to use the name of Jesus and face your problems. Too many Christians ignore their problems. I'll deal with it when I get there. Well, you let that root grow, it'll grow up to a massive tree. And that's when you feel like you got your work cut out for you. That's when you feel overwhelmed and bombarded. Rather, you could use the name of Jesus to confront your problems. You can confront that sickness today. You can confront that poverty today. You can confront that situation. You can challenge the things that have come to challenge you with the name of Jesus. And the Bible says... There is no other name given amongst men by which we must be saved but the name of Jesus. That name will produce salvation. Not only salvation for us to go to heaven, but salvation. The word is sozo. It means deliverance. That name can produce deliverance in whatever has come to attack you, your family, your body, your life, your finances. That name beats back the opposition and brings you into the, the, the victory. You, you, you look at Acts chapter 8, and we're going to get into it. Matter of fact, let me, get, let me jump right into it. Before I do that, if you own a credit card, I have to talk about this. If you own a credit card with the name American Express, MasterCard, Visa, whatever, you can carry it around and show everyone you have one. However, unless you have faith 
in America, American Express ability to actually cover what you're desiring to buy. What's a credit card? You're putting a credit card in a machine for a purchase that you're desiring to make. $100 purchase. Well, why does the company receive your credit card? It's not your money. It's American Express's money. But American Express has such good credit and they're so trusted and relied on that the company knows Amex can back up this purchase. Amex, whether this man can afford it or not, Amex can. And so we're going to take that money. And uh, if they fail to pay Amex, that's their problem. But Amex can pay off, can, can pay what I'm, what, what I'm desiring to buy. But if people didn't have faith in Amex resources, let's say there was a big story that came out that American Express uh, stock plummeted 99% and they're virtually bankrupt. No company's going to accept Amex because they don't have faith in the resources behind the card. So until you have faith enough in the credit card to go out and buy something, it's merely just an accessory in your wallet. If people didn't accept that method of payment, that credit card, you know, there's some places they don't accept certain cards, certain banks, certain companies, because they don't have faith in the resources behind the bank. And so as a result, people that have that card, it's just an accessory in their wallet. And there's far too many people that they have the name of Jesus like an accessory that they have in prayer, an accessory in life. They put it maybe on their, their, their kitchen table, the name of Jesus. You walk in and this home belongs to Jesus. They have the name just plastered everywhere on the, on the walls of their house. But they don't have it, a deep-rooted understanding in their heart as to the resources that back that name. Don't be like that. There are those who have a pre-approved limit of $100,000 on their credit card. However, they purposely limit themselves to $2,500. They'll say, I know I'm approved to uh, $20,000, $50,000, but I want to limit my credit card's uh, spending power to $2,500, whether they don't trust themselves or whatever. And a lot of Christians do the same with the name of Jesus. There's, a, there's an unlimited resource, unlimited power for for, for, um, for victory in life. But there's Christians, because of their level of understanding pertaining to the name, they limit what they're able to acquire through that name. And I, wanna, I, want, I want you to have an unlimited appreciation for that name. And we're going to go through right now four wonders of the name of Jesus. Four things you can find in Jesus' name. Number one, there's forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. There's forgiveness in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in verse 12, Nor is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we can be saved. The name of Jesus, Matthew 1.21, the angel came to Mary and said, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name of Jesus means it's Yeshua. It means God is my salvation. The number one thing that the name of Jesus has done to you, or if you've not given your life to Christ, you can do so at the end of this broadcast. But the number one thing the name of Jesus does for people is it brings salvation from sin. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and beginning with verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. 
This is what the Bible says. Paul speaking. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicator, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Such were some of you. You're not, if you're in Christ, you're not that anymore. Why? But you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So Paul says, these are all the things you used to be. Some of you were adulterers. Some of you were full of anger, full of envy. Some of you were extortioners. Some of you were crooked businessmen. Such were some of you. But he finishes off by saying, but you were washed. How many of you are grateful today that we were those things? But we're not that anymore. That's why I hate the statement, what people make. How many of you know we're all sinners? We're all sinners. We all sin every day. We're all sinners. I was a sinner, but I don't call myself a sinner anymore because the Bible doesn't call me a sinner anymore. The Bible says I'm justified. You can't be justified and a sinner. You're either a sinner in the eyes of God that needs salvation, or you're justified and in Christ and on your way to heaven. I was a sinner. I got saved and changed by grace. The old has passed away. Paul said, now look, 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 behold, open up your eyes. See that you're a new creation and everything has become new. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says here, you were washed, washed by the blood, sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. What does it mean to be justified? What does the name of Jesus mean? Uh, do for our justification. Well, when you believed on his name, you know, the Bible says that you might believe and have life in his name. First John chapter five, when you believe in the name of Jesus, when you put your faith, you know, Romans 10 says, how can they call on him unless they believe? Um, and how can they believe unless they're preached to? And then Romans 10, 10, 10 says, there is no distinction between Jew or Greek anymore. Anyone who calls and believes on the name of Jesus will be saved. What does it mean to be saved? Justified. It means just if I'd never sinned before. You have a brand new record in heaven. You have a clean slate. Your sins are forgiven. The Bible says he takes your pile of sin and he buries, buries it in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be recalled to memory again. That's, that's an amazing thing to know. That's why when the enemy comes and he tries to sow condemning thoughts, pointing you to your past, point him to his future, that there's a lake of fire that awaits him, that the devil, the Bible says, will dwell in a lake of fire that burns with brimstone. Day and night he shall be in, in eternal torment forever and ever. So don't, don't fall victim to thoughts of condemnation. There is now no condemnation because of Jesus' name. Because of Jesus' name. Now that doesn't mean you go on and live a life of sin and you say there's no condemnation, amen? No. When you understand that you're saved, when you're truly born again, you have a pull to the desires of righteousness. You have a pull in the direction of righteousness. You have a desire to live holy. When you're genuinely born again, you're not going to want to sin anymore. 1 John 3 says that God's seed abides in you and you cannot sin, meaning you, don't, you have no desire to sin. You have no drive to sin anymore. Your drive is to please God. 
But even those that have a drive to please God, oftentimes they have thoughts and of accusations of their past. They have thoughts of condemnation, thoughts that produce many sorrows in their heart because of what they've done, how they used to be, how they mistreated people. You know, when Jesus came to Zacchaeus' house, he said, today salvation's come to your house. Zacchaeus says, I'm going to go and repay all those that I, I've screwed over. I'm going to give them four times what I took from them. I'm going to pay them back with interest. Jesus said, truly salvation has come to your house. For this also is a son of Abraham, a child of Abraham. And Jesus didn't say, hey, but you know what? You might be going around paying back all those people, but I'll never forget what you did to them. No. He said, today, salvation's come to Zacchaeus' house. No Even though they used to see Zacchaeus as an extortioner, they saw Zacchaeus as a crooked tax collector. I don't see you that way, my son. You're a child of Abraham. You're a child of God. Your record's clean. You're justified. Just if you've never sinned, you're, you have a brand new slate with me. When I look on you, I see white. I see kindness. I see, I see my glory on you, my reflection on you. That's what God sees you now. That's how God sees you now because of the name of Jesus. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, there is access to the Father in that name. John chapter 16. Let's go there. John chapter 16. There's access to the Father in the name of Jesus. What are the wonders of the name of Jesus? Access to the Father in prayer via the name of Jesus. John 16, 23. In that day, we're going to get to what that day means because that's very important. Because if Jesus is saying in that day, then we have to identify when that day was. Has it taken place yet? Will it take place? Has it already taken place? We have to find out what that day means if we're going to have the rest of what Jesus says here mean have any value to us here and now. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. So prayer is not... Now, people get mis 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 missed up when I, say, when I say something like this. They, they think, oh, how could you say that? Hear what I'm saying and let me finish what I have to say before you X out this broadcast. We don't pray to Jesus. Jesus didn't teach pray to Jesus. We worship Jesus in prayer. We can even have fellowship to, with Jesus in prayer. We can praise Jesus in prayer. I do it all the time. I call him King of Kings, Lord of Lords, soon and coming King, the Ancient of Days, the Rock of Ages, the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Lamb that was slain, who is worthy to receive it all. I, I worship Jesus in prayer. But when I switch on to the prayer of request and I'm starting to ask God for things that I need in life, things that I, 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 I need counsel on, things that I need direction on, whenever I ask God something, I don't ask it to Jesus. I don't say, Jesus, I need this. Jesus did not teach to do that. I read it in John 14, verse 14. Jesus said, if you ask me anything, I'll do it. He's not talking about prayer in that particular scripture. Now, John 16, he's talking about prayer. But in covering John 14, he's talking about demanding things from the devil or demanding things from life in prayer. When you, when you demand things... The Bible says Jesus will hear it from heaven. He'll enforce his victory in that area and he'll bring the answer to that thing, to you. So there's a difference between what Jesus said in John 14 and John 16. Now he's talking about prayer. John 16, 23. In that day you will ask me nothing. For assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father 
Even Jesus didn't pray to himself. Jesus prayed to the Father. In John 11, when he gets to Lazarus' tomb, he says, Father, I thank you that you hear me. And he called Lazarus' name forth, and he became, he, he became a living being again. So even Jesus didn't pray to himself. Jesus prayed to the Father. He came to set up a pattern as to how we too can communion, communicate with the Father and pass on our request to him. In that day, you'll ask me nothing. Surely I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. So how does prayer happen? We petition the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you see the divine trinity at work even in prayer. We're asking the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Until now you've asked nothing, Jesus said. You've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So Jesus said, in that day, you're not going to ask me anything. You're not going to say, Jesus, I need this. Now you've come to me with requests and stuff, and I've asked the Father, and he's answered you. But in that day, what is that day? That day is when Jesus would go, Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 2 talks about Jesus becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. He, he, he humbled himself to the obedience, even to the point of death, the death of a cross. Because of this, God has given him a name that is above every name and has exalted him that at the mention of his name, every knee should bow. Jesus said, in that day, when I endure the suffering of the cross, when I die that sinner's death as a criminal on that wooden pole of crucifixion, and I rise again, and I come before the Father. Hebrews talks about Jesus by his eternal blood presenting himself before the Father. And the veil of the temple is rent from top to bottom. The veil, remember when Jesus died and he said it is finished. The veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. That signified that the, the way into the most holy place has been paid and purchased by the accepted sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in that day, when heaven accepts the offering of my blood and the veil, that which blocked us from accessing God's presence and power is torn from top to bottom. In that day, you don't have to go to me. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to a pastor. You don't have to go to the apostle. You don't have to go to the prophet. You can come boldly into the throne of God himself. The Father will hear you when you pray in my name. And whatever, you notice how it says, no, now until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive. In Matthew 7, he says, ask anything and I'll give it to you. And whatever you ask the Father, if it be according to his word, God said, Jesus said, you will have it, that your joy may be made full. Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not of. So you... There's a lot of people that they're like, well, I just know if I could just get to that man of God's meetings that he'll, he'll pray and God will answer his prayer as if he's got better standing than you. He doesn't have a, it's not like there's, there's like packages, like, you know, how YouTube has memberships and you have, you have gold membership, you have platinum membership, there's a silver membership, there's a bronze membership. There's no different classes of membership in heaven. If you are born again and the blood of Jesus has washed you clean, you have the privilege of using that name of Jesus in prayer. And God put his stamp of approval on that name. You know, Jesus knew full well what he was saying when he gave us the power to use that name in prayer. He knew exactly what that meant. Think of it this way. 
It's like you have a blank check. Blank check. Heaven hasn't filled out the check. That's up to you to do it with the word of God, the, the promises of scripture. But it's been endorsed. On the signature part, Jesus signed his name. It's been endorsed by heaven. Jesus already signed his name. There's a note saying, for my child. And now it's up to you to take up the promises located in the scripture and fill in the blank. You need healing today? You can go to the Father in the name of Jesus. Take the promise that says, if you'll serve me, I'll bless your bread and water and take sickness out of your midst. Sign it into the, into the check. Cash it in. And heaven's bank will back it up with power and with its resources. You need provision? You can put, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Endorsed by the name of Jesus, cash it in, and heaven will back up, its, back up your desire, back up your request with power. You can ask anything in my name. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 19, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous can run to it and are safe. The name of the Lord, when you, you know, no matter what you're facing today, no matter how impossible the situation may be, no matter how backed, backed up to the corner you think you are, no matter how long that you've been in this state, no matter how impossible it looks like in the natural, the name of the Lord in prayer is a strong tower and it can act as a refuge in time of trouble. A refuge. That's why, that's why when Jesus prayed, I mean, think of it. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, what did he say? He said, start like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He said, go to him in the name. He said, go to him in the name. First thing he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Use the name. Even Jesus taught the disciples that you have to approach God on the basis of his name. And he did a broadcast recently. There's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. The Jehovah Tzikedna, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is here. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. There's all these names. But the name of Jesus is like the all-encompassing name. All those things, how he's our healer, our righteousness, our shepherd, our banner, our victory. All of those things are in the, the, own, the, the name of Jesus. And that's why... Jesus said, you can approach him on the basis of my name. Because in my name are all the compound names of Jehovah anyways. All of what God revealed himself to be in the Old Testament. Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord our shepherd. All those things. If you just name the name of Jesus, it encompasses all of those attributes of God. All of the nature of God is in that name. That's why blind Bartimaeus got Jesus' attention. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You can't approach the Father in the name of Jesus and Him ignore you and turn aside your prayer request and Him discard what you're asking Him for. You can't. It's not possible. When you understand why, why we use... Because there's a lot of people, they just, we pray in Jesus' name. They don't even understand why we pray in Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name because... Of what I said before, it's our passport into heaven. It's like our, our fast pass into coming before God with whatever, whatever request we have. You ever go to Disney? They have a fast pass, pay an extra $200 or whatever. You don't have to wait the line. You just come right to the front of the line. The name of Jesus is our fast, our fast pass. 
We don't have to sacrifice the blood of goats anymore. We don't have to sacrifice an, an oxen anymore. We don't have to send in the high priest once a year with our request. We don't have to go to the western wall of Jerusalem and write down on a piece of paper and insert it into the wall and hope something sticks. We have the fast pass. We have the passport. We have the password into the very throne of God where we have God's uninterrupted attention. When you say, Father, in Jesus' name, God bows his ear to you and he says, What is it, son? What is it, daughter? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open unto you. There's no room for doubt in Jesus' definite terms when he talked about prayer. He didn't say, Ask and we'll consult heaven. We'll have a last minute meeting for you and we'll see if it's good for you. I'm not saying, now you can't, you know, those people are going to say, take this sound bin and say, this man teaches that you can ask God for anything. Well, why can't I just ask God for that man's wife? I assume I'm talking to people who have a IQ level that's higher than the room temperature that they're in. I, I'm, I, I know I'm not talking to stupid people. I'm talking to bright people, people that have intelligence. So you can't just go around and claim people's wives for yourself. Oh, in Jesus' name, Father, I pray that that woman, I know she's married, but I pray her for me. You know, you're not, they ain't going to be honored by heaven. That's a wicked thing to pray. You're not going around asking God for things that aren't in... I'm assuming that people that are listening right now are people who love God and want God's will for their life and for those around them. So when you're asking God, in uh, the Father, in the name of Jesus, we're talking about asking Him things in His Word. 1 John 5.14 Whatever we ask of Him, if it be according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have the request of which we've asked. So he says, if it be according to his will. If, let me say this very clearly so you understand. If it's not in this book, you have no business asking him for it. If it is in his book, you have no business doubting his ability to providing it for you. To provide it for you. If it's not in this book, you have no business asking God for it. But if it is in this book, if it's located in the Word of God, you have no business doubting God's ability to perform that thing on your behalf. The Bible says Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he's able to perform. Healings in this book, provisions in this book. You have no business doubting God's ability to do those things. Number three, there's dominion over demons. In the name of Jesus. Dominion over demons. Turn with me to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And this is where you're going to learn. Not only how to use the name. To fend off any demon attacking your home. But how to use the name. In casting out demons out of others. Because God doesn't want you to just be delivered. And then just stay on the sideline and do nothing. Until you need his help again. God wants you in the game. There's no referees in the body of Christ and there's no spectators. There's only, there's only soldiers. There's only people that are, that are in the game. There's only, the, you know, Paul, when he talks about born-again people, he co compares them to soldiers. He compares them to athletes. Athletes. He didn't say that a child of God is like a referee. Where he just calls everything out that he sees as wrong and just makes a YouTube channel exposing everybody on YouTube. The Bible says there's no place for people like that in the body of Christ. He says every time that he talks about a child of God, he compares them to an athlete and he compares them to a, a, a champion or he compares them to a soldier. 
And so I, I know God's drawn you to this broadcast. Many of you are students of this broadcast. And the reason why God drew you here is so that you can be empowered. Empowered not only for yourself to gain the victory, not only for you to walk in freedom, but for you to be a conduit for that same power that set you free to set others free everywhere you go. God wants, he changed you so you can be an agent of change. He saved you so that you can be an agent of salvation on the earth, proclaiming the everlasting gospel. So Mark 16 tells us how to do that. Verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. What signs? In my name, they will cast out demons. So how does Jesus say these signs are unlocked? These signs are unlocked by using his name. In my name, they will cast out demons. It doesn't say by wishful thinking. It doesn't say by, we take authority over this right now. No, all of that is not going to work unless you use the name of Jesus. You know, R.W. Schambach tells a story once. When he cast out his first demon, he was serving A.A. Allen still in his tent crusades. And A.A. Allen saw a man coming from the back that was fully demonized. I mean, like, screaming at the top of their lungs. And A.A. Allen, had, he was going to pray for other people. He said, R.W., I want you to go. I want you to go and, and take care of this one. R.W. Schambach said, yes. What was he going to say? No. He said yes, but he had never cast a demon out of someone yet. And so when he went, he started to use everything he knew. He said, uh, you demon, we, we plead the blood. We plead the blood over you. We, we, we plead the blood. We command you to come out. We, we, we don't accept this right here. You, you let that person go. You let that child of God go. You stop doing this right now. He did everything he knew to do. And nothing was working. He said he had rolled up his sleeves. He was getting tired. I mean, he did everything. We renounce you. We reject you. He did everything he knew to do. Nothing worked. It was this long, belabors thing. The demon was speaking back and uh, mocking his efforts and everything, trying to back him down, trying to intimidate him. Finally, the Lord quickened him to his spirit and told, told R.W. Shambach, I already destroyed this thing 2,000 years ago at the cross. Use my name to get it out. And so R.W. Schambach, he like, like a lion nature rose up in him. And he looked at the man straight in the eye. And he said, in the name of my elder brother, Jesus, who beat, who beat your butt up 2,000 years ago and laid you in an open shame, in the name that is above every other name, I adjure you to leave this man now. Immediately, the man was delivered. Immediately. Because when you use the name, especially against demon spirits, what you're doing is you're enforcing the victory of the cross. You're actually reminding the devil of his beating that he took 2,000 years ago. That's what R.W. Schambach said. He said, in the name of my elder brother, Jesus who beat your butt 2,000 years ago, who humiliated you and made a public shame of you openly, come out. And that was it. You have to understand, you know, if, if you had a childhood bully that used to make your life a living hell on earth, everywhere you went, he was just there to make things hard for you. Took your lunch money, beat you up, took your clothes, pantsed you, took your pants off, just made, you, uh, just made things hard for you growing up. And then when you grew older, 
You went back to your school reunion or whatever, and as you see the table, uh, the table that you're going to be sitting at, and you see all the names that are listed that, at the, that are going to be sitting at the same table, and you see that bully, let's call him Charlie, that bully Charlie, he's still, he's, um, he, he's going to be sitting at your table. Matter of fact, they put him right next to you at the table. What do you think's going to happen? Heck no, that guy caused me trauma. I got PTSD because of that guy. I'm leaving. He ain't going to go in there. He's not going to sit next to Charlie. He's got PTSD because of all the beatings he took as a young child. Oh, the devil has PTSD with how severe of a blow heaven gave him when Jesus died and rose again. You understand, the devil thought he wanted when he nailed Jesus to that tree. But Jesus said, no man takes my life. I lay it down of myself because Jesus understood what he was about to accomplish. See, the devil thought that Jesus was forfeiting. When in actual fact, Jesus was accomplishing everything he was set out to accomplish in the first place. And so the devil was very happy when they pronounced him dead. I'm sure hell rejoiced. But the good news is, is that when, when Jesus died, the Bible says he didn't stay in that tomb fiddling his thumbs, twirling his thumbs, waiting for something to happen. The Bible says he went down into the lowest. He located the devil's headquarters, found where Lucifer, where Satan was at, stripped him of the keys of death, hell, and the grave, put him to the ground, and the Bible says he cracked his skull openly, cracked his skull, gave him such a butt whooping that 2,000 years later, when you just mention the name of Jesus, it's enough for the devil to have a panic attack and leave helter-skelter like a chicken without its head, beeline it for the exit door, and leave your life, and leave your, your situation. That's the power in the name. So stop tolerating the devil's work in your life. Stop, stop just putting up with it. Jesus didn't give you his name to put up with it. Jesus gave you his name so that whatever the devil's bullying you in it, in whatever area you're being harassed in, whatever thing you're seeing in life that is against the covenant of God, you can use that name and it will blast off any satanic agent that has been enforcing horror, tragedy, trial, and trouble in your life and lead you into freedom. Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, let me read this. this see, I, I want you to be equipped today. Not only if the demon, devil's like messing up with your family, messing up with your home, but when you see someone demonized on the side of the road asking for help, you don't have to just lead them to the local missions house. You don't have to just lead them to, you know, bring them to pastor. He didn't say the pastor will be given my name to cast out demons. He says, anyone that believes in me, he has the right to use my name. You know, there's something called power of attorney, and that's essentially what Jesus was giving us. Power of attorney. What is power of attorney? Power of attorney is the authority to act for another person in a specified legal or financial matter. When you use the name in dealing with demon powers, it drives them out because it's as if Jesus himself was giving the command. Power of attorney is the right to stand in the place of another when it comes to legal problems. Well, it's a legal problem, the devil messing up in your home. It's a legal problem, the devil showing up in your finances and in your health. 
It's a legal problem because the covenant, which is God's law, the constitution of heaven, promises you healing, not sickness and disease. So it's a legal problem. And Jesus gave you the power of attorney to stand in his stead. Look, Jesus is in heaven. That's why the disciples were panicking when he said, I'm about to go. He's like, well, how are we supposed to continue the miracles? How are we supposed to continue doing, driving demons out of regions? How are we supposed to continue that? He says, it's actually to your advantage because I'm going to give you my name. You can continue it all. You can do everything we did in the, first, in the first three years of this ministry. You can continue to do. And I'm here to tell you, 2022, 2,000 years later, you can continue to do everything they did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can continue that gospel program because though Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, He said, I'm giving you the power of attorney to use my name. That anywhere you go, when you give a command in the name of Jesus, it's as if I gave it myself. And the devil understands one language. He understands one language. Doesn't care if you say it in English, Portuguese. Doesn't care if you speak it in Mandarin or Spanish. He understands one language, and that's the language of power. And any command given in Jesus' name is the language of power. I don't know what happened, but I think my... Man, we've been having technical difficulties today. Anyways, we'll just finish it off like this. That's a TV behind me. I don't, I, it's like the power just went out or something. So there's dominion in his name. Philippians chapter 2. I can't wait to be home and, and doing broadcasts from my home. Praise the Lord. I'm grateful for this. Very grateful. But I can't wait to be home. Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Yes, even the death of a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and has given him a name which is above every other name. So no matter what the demon's name is, that's why I don't ask what a demon's name is. I don't ask, I don't care what its name is. First of all, even if it said, my name is lust, how, do you, can, how can you trust it? They're liars. Could easily be another demon. Oh, I'm a demon of Jezebel. Oh, it's a liar. It's a lying spirit. So it could very well be a, 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 another, have another name anyway. So I don't even care what its name is. Why would I care about the demon's name when I know the name above every name? And I say the same for those that have sickness in their body. What does it matter if they tell you it's cancer or diabetes or just the sniffles or COVID or whatever? What does it matter? The name that man has given or attributed to the problem doesn't matter. The fact remains the same. Paul said we have a name that is above every other name. That at the mention of the name. Notice how it doesn't see. That's where you see people who have no understanding of the name. They just get the, they see a problem, they go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. They go off like they're like in a, in a mental institute. And then do squat. The devil's laughing, he's laughing at that. Doesn't say at the repetition of that name. Just the mention, the one mention of that name. Before you can even get the sus out of Jesus. Every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, of God the Father. I tell you, whatever problem you're facing, 
And whatever name has been given to that problem, you know, they, they give demons all kinds of names today. They give demons, you know, some, they won't even, the medical field, the medical department, they'll say it's epilepsy, they'll say it's this, they'll say it's that. But really at the root of it is a demon. And the good, that's good news. Because, because the fact that it's a demon, that demon's name is under the name of Jesus. It has to obey a command given in the name of Jesus. Has no right to stay when the name of Jesus is just mentioned. So it doesn't matter what they've named it. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, God has, uh, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father far above every principality, every power. You go to some places and they say, you know, there's a real demon of, of this in this region. We, you know, we've been trying to tackle it. We've been trying to pray against it. You know, let me make this clear. We talked about prayer and asking God for things in Jesus' name, and there's a place for that. But there's things you pray for, and then there's things you take authority over and you pray against. You don't have to, Father, we just come against this uh, demon in this region. We just bind it. You know, that's not how things work. You take authority. You take charge over those things. Not by praying to God for those things. There's things you pray to God for, and then there's things God gave you His name, the name of Jesus, to take authority over. So whenever they say there's a demon of this in this region, I, I, when I go up to do a crusade, I just lift up hands and I say, Father, I thank you that I have a name that is above the name of that demon in this region. I thank you that you've sent me as a delegate of your kingdom, an ambassador, and I have full power of attorney using that name to take dominion. I thank you that that thing has no influence anymore. I'm now the principality in this region by reason of the name of Jesus. So don't, and I say this again, don't, there's a lot of Christians that they just seek to lay the responsibility on God for everything. If there's demonic activity in your, in your home. You know, Jesus, on that, when that storm, he didn't get up and take the disciples' hands and pray against the storm. He said, shut up and be still to the storm. Took authority over it. Prayed against it. If you see demonic activity in your home, you don't even have to go to the Father. You just use, the, he already, Acts 3. Such as we have, we, we use. Such as we have, we give unto thee, Peter and John said. You have the name of Jesus. You don't have to ask God for the name. He already gave it to you. Now just use it. Whatever you don't confront in that name has a right to conquer you. Whatever you don't resist has a right to remain. Whatever you don't oppose has a right to overthrow you. So rise up. Some people are, I mean... They think that just crying about it is going to get it done. They think that they, they can persuade God to do something if they cry enough. Pity parties aren't going to get it done. You face the problem with the name. You confront it with the name. You face the demon with the name. Confront it. And you'll overpower it. Number four, and I'll finish with this. There's healing in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to pray for people right after I, I get done with this point. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, 
whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of those entering into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for donations. And fixing his eyes on him, Jesus, uh, John with Peter said, Look on us. Or rather, Peter with John said, Look on us. Look on us. So I told you that this broadcast was not only going to give provide healing for your own body, but it's going to equip you to heal the sick. Notice how when Peter and John saw the man lame at the gate called Beautiful, they didn't say, hey, you know, we're going to join our faith and we're going to, we're going to believe God for something here. They said, look on us. Look on us. Why could they be bold to say, look on us? Keep on reading. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive th something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give unto you. They said, look on us, because they said, though we don't have enough money to cure you of paralysis, though we don't have enough silver and gold to, to, to rid the earth of, of this crippling thing, said, we do have one thing that's able to help you. And it's enough, more than enough. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones were strengthened. So he, leaping up, stood and walked, entering the temple with them, walking, le leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Listen to this. And Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us? As though by our own power or godliness, we've made this man to walk. So he said, it's not because we're, we're highly anointed people that this happened. He said, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Verse 16, pay special attention to verse 16, Acts 3.16. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Peter and John see a cripple laid at the gate of the temple. And they said, we don't have enough money to help you in this area. There's not enough money even today in medical science and research to help people that are crippled. But they said, look on us because such as we do have, they understood that in the name of Jesus is healing. And we have the rightful power to use that name. Such as we do have, we give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, why rise up and walk. And they took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his body was healed. His ankle bones and legs were strengthened. Now you think of the, the, the greatness of this miracle. Because if a man who's been lame for, the Bible says, over 40 years, he had been paralyzed. If a man over 40 years old, paralyzed, had never walked, his, his uh, legs are atrophied. There's no muscles there. There's very little muscles there. They have um, very skinny legs when you've never walked a day in your life. So the fact that not only did he get up, he was able to leap and run and praise God shows you that the miracle that happened there wasn't just whatever neurology that needed to be corrected got corrected, but his very muscles, the muscles that were missing, formed over his bones. 
and he began to have calves. He started to have thigh muscles again, and he leaped and walked and praised God in the temple. And when the multitudes came together, together, Peter and John said, this isn't because I'm more anointed than others. This isn't because I, I have some great power inherent in myself. He said, the reason this man was able to walk and leap and praise God is through faith in his name. There are miracles Signs, wonders, and healing power that are released when you understand the name of Jesus and speak the name of Jesus. Smith Wigglesworth tells a story. There was a man who was, um, his wife was lying sick and dying at his home. And he asked for Smith Wigglesworth to come and pray for his, his wife that was dying. And Smith Wigglesworth brought another pastor to the home and they said, uh, well, let's get together and let's pray. And so Wigglesworth said to his pastor friend, why don't you pray for her first? And so the pastor friend said, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and we ask you that you would just ease this woman's transition into eternity. We pray that you would comfort the future widower as he has no wife now to raise his children. We pray that, that's how he prayed. Midway through the prayer, Wigglesworth got so intolerant of that unbelief in his prayer, he just ro rose up. It, like a lion's cry and roar and said, stop, stop it, stop it. Told the guy to just stop praying like that. It, 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 it irritated him. You can imagine how much prayers like that irritate God. The prayer of unbelief irritates God. The prayer of faith gets God's intervention. The prayer of unbelief irritates God. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. So what did Smith Wigglesworth do? He just said the name of Jesus. And he said, let's just sing about his name. And they began to sing about his name and different songs revolving around the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, the power of God hit the place so strongly that nobody could stand to minister anymore. They all fell to the ground and were just prostrate, laying before the Lord. And the woman that was sick and dying down to, you know, very little weight, she, she stands up, like she, her body rises up and she starts to, to yell out, I see Jesus at the foot of my bed. I see Jesus at the foot of my bed. And Jesus came by her, touched her and raised her up. She got up supernaturally healed and restored in her, in her body. Why did that happen? Why just singing about his name? Did the presence of God get ushered into that place where healing can happen? Because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together, revolving around my name, there I am in the midst of them. When you begin to sing about that name, when you begin to mention that name in the presence of a sick body, in the presence of a, of a, of a terminally ill cancer patient. It drives cancer out of bodies. It drives multiple cirrhosis out of bodies. It drives depression and anxiety out of people. It drives terminal diagnoses out of people. It drives sickness and disease, illness and ailments out of people. And it drives, it releases the oil of health from heaven on their bodies, raising them up to vitality and strength. And I see the name of Jesus doing that for you today. We're, we're going to pray right now because I feel the anointing strong. Whatever the devil's attacked in your life, whatever the enemy's done to your body, whatever opposition you're facing in your home, in your marriage, right now, we're going to call on that name. And the Bible says, call unto me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great 
unimaginable things. What eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what has never been witnessed in the heart of man, I'm going to show it. I'm going to show forth my glory in your life. I'm going to display and manifest my power on your behalf. And anywhere that you've been struck down, I'm lifting you up today. Father, in the name of Jesus, the only name by which we can be saved, the only name by which we have power and authority to trample on demons, to trample on the devil himself. And you said, over all his works, and nothing will by any means harm us. Father, we thank you for the right to use that name. We praise you for the ability to have power of attorney in that name and speak and command things to turn into our favor. And you said you'd enforce it by your power in heaven. Right now, every sickness in your body, those of you watching online and those on the replay, every sickness, every disease, anything the enemy's messed up in your physical body, it gets, it gets reversed now in Jesus' name. I speak to your organs to come back to life in the name of Jesus. I release creative miracles in your body in the name of Jesus. I call those things that be not as though they are in the name of Jesus. I use the authority in that name. Silver and gold I have not. But such as I do have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Get up. If you were sick and you couldn't get up, get up. If you couldn't move your back, move your back. If you couldn't move your legs, move your legs. If you couldn't move your neck, move your neck. If you couldn't jump, jump. If you couldn't run, run. Whatever you couldn't do, get up and see strength is coming into your body right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. I speak to degenerative diseases in your eyes. I speak to any type of vision impairment. Any retinal tissue that's been damaged, any nerve, optical nerve that's been, that's been pinched and harmed. In the name of Jesus, I speak the life of God into your eyeballs. Be restored to 2020 vision. I speak to deaf ears. Be restored, all auditory nerves, to align itself with the will of God. The Bible says the seeing eye and the hearing ear, the Lord has made them both. The will of God is a seeing eye and a hearing ear. I command you to line up with God's will now. In Jesus' name, I enforce it. I enforce it. I command it. Let me read you one more scripture. This is going to bless you. And I, I pray this activates you. Because I didn't just want God to touch people today. You know, I speak to dead marriages. I feel that in my spirit. Dead marriages. You've prayed... You've prayed for your husband to come back to the Lord. You've prayed for your husband to have his heart softened, but it's not worked. I want you to use the name of Jesus. You know, anytime there's marital distress, it's because there's a demon that's come between the two of you. There's something. There's, there's something. There's an unseen force at work. And so you have, we just talked about the authority you, ho you have over the unseen world and principalities and powers. So I don't want you to just, I, you've prayed about your marriage? Great. Now start to speak against the forces aligned against a prosperous marriage. Start to speak against the, the, the demons at work behind the scenes that are getting your husband to be 
easily irritated with you, that are getting your wife to be easily irritated with you, that are getting you each to be frustrated with each other, that you can't just have a day of peace. There's a force at work behind it. But the good news is, is every knee bows to the name of Jesus. Speak to it. Command it to leave. And then, not only just speak in the name of Jesus, but then quote the Bible. The Bible is the final port of authority. In Jesus' name, command you to leave, for it is written. That's how it should be. That's how spiritual warfare goes. It's not by waving a flag. It's not by blowing a shofar. Spiritual warfare goes. Jesus showed us in the garden. He didn't blow a shofar and the devil leave. How did he, how did he engage in spiritual warfare with the devil? Now, he didn't have to use his name because he is Jesus. But we use his name, and then we quote the word. In the name of Jesus, back off, Satan, for it is written. Man, what man, what God has brought together, speaking of marriage, let no man put asunder. Let nothing separate what God has brought together. So you foul devil that's trying to separate this marriage, you have no legal right to remain here one more minute. Jesus' name, leave. And you'll see. I, I believe there's been deliverance even now. Luke chapter 10, listen to this. Now this is going to activate you to go and... and um, Instead of you being on the alert, hoping the devil doesn't come your way, it'll be the devil being on the alert, hoping you don't come your way. Because I want to show you how you're going you're gonna to now use the name from today to do what Jesus said. Lay hands on the sick, see them recover, and cast out demons. Listen to this, Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Luke 10, 17. Then the 70 returned with great joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. How are the demons subjected to the disciples? In Jesus' name. Jesus said, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. So what, uh, what is it in hell that subjects itself to the name? What is it in hell? How, is, is there certain levels that the name has no power over? No, the Bible says over all serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Verse 20. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I don't feel like I, I've worked up enough Christianity to use that name. I don't feel like I'm in a position yet to use that name. I don't feel like I've, I've gone through, I didn't go through my baptism course yet. How can I use that name? Jesus said, don't rejoice that the demons, uh, don't, rejoice in, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you. Rejoice in this that your names are written in heaven. What was Jesus saying? He's saying, if you are saved and born again, if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, even if you didn't go through your baptism course yet, you're in a position that is higher than devils. You're in a position to take charge over and trample over uh, serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. Doesn't matter if you feel like you're the pinky toe in the body of Christ. Doesn't matter if you feel like you're the least worthy. Doesn't matter if you just got saved and like yesterday you were sinning. If you are born again, blood washed, blood bought, your name's written in, in heaven. Jesus said, the demons subject to you because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, I don't feel like I've went through deliverance training yet. I don't feel like I've... doesn't matter. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And when you use the name of Jesus in boldness, that's why I did this broadcast. It's to insert boldness and courage in you. Because the devil, the, the way he disarms you 
is to get you to think you're not ready yet. Get you to think it's not for regular Christians. Get you to think I'm not able to do this. Get you to think I'm not holy enough. Get you to think I'm not doing enough or I haven't done enough to attain to that. I didn't get my scout's badge to actually deal with demons like that. He wants to get you to think that. When in reality, Jesus said the opposite. He said, oh no, the only prerequisite in operating in that high level of authority is be born again. Be born again. Get saved. And then I'm activating. The moment you come into the kingdom of God, you've left the kingdom of darkness. And I've activated. I'm mobilizing you. That just as I took you out of the grip of the devil, you're going to be used as an agent of mine, an ambassador to do the same everywhere you go. So I'm commissioning you today. I'm commissioning you. The next time someone says, I'm sick, don't say, I'll keep you in prayer. Pray for him on the spot. Put your hands on him and start, or her. You know, I had a friend recently. He said, I'm going to pray for a friend of his. He might be watching right now. And he has a, he's a 27-year-old man who has a lymphoma. And he's, he's got stage four of it. And he's dying. And he said, can you pray for me? Uh, pray for him. I said, go in the name and pray for him. Go in the name and pray for him. See, a lot of people, when they deal with sickness in others, they just, they put one hand on them and one hand up. And they say, Father, we trust you. Lord, we know that you can do this. And we just leave it in your hands. That's not how Jesus told his disciples to do the ministry. He said, now as you go, preach the kingdom. Tell them that a way's been made. If they're not informed, inform them. And then heal the sick. He didn't say pray to God to heal the sick. He said, you heal the sick. You do it. Peter goes to Acts chapter 9, goes to Aeneas' house, who's eight years bedridden and paralyzed. What did, G what did Peter do? He, he got on his knees besides Aeneas' bed and he prayed. Then he got up. I'm sure Peter probably prayed, Father, I thank you that you've given us the authority and the equipment to heal the, heal the sick. Thank you, Father, that you've given us the, name, the right to use the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you confirm the word of your messengers. And so as I pray for this guy right now, I thank you that he's going to walk today. Then what did Peter do? He got up and he told Aeneas. He said, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. He used the name. He didn't say Aeneas, we're just going to gather. We're going to hold hands right now. Father, we just asked. He didn't do that. See, that's where people get it wrong. That's why they don't see healing in their ministry. But I've learned from people who've seen healing in their ministry, and I've seen healing in this ministry using the, the same program, same tactic, the same biblical blueprint. He said, Aeneas, Jesus Christ, the, the Christ heals you. And Aeneas, that was better and got up, totally healed. He used the name. So as you go, I commission you. I charge you, like Paul said. Be ready in season and out of season to use that name. That when ex the next time someone says and starts to just vomit all their problems on you, instead of saying, I'll keep you in prayer, say, let's pray right now. And use the name to enforce change in their situation and in their life. Remember, I said it before. Jesus said, these works you will do in greater works because I'm going to the Father. And if you demand anything in my name, I'll enforce it from heaven. He wasn't talking about prayer. He was saying, you are my ambassador. You are my delegated authority. You are my hands and my feet and my mouth on the earth. 
And where you go, he said, you can demand. We're not demanding things from God. I remind you of that. We're demanding things of the devil. Hands off that life. We're demanding things over circumstances. I command this thing to shift. I command this thing to change. I command this to turn in my favor. All things work together for good to those that love God and and, uh, are called according to His purpose. I command this situation to work together for good. If you're watching right now, you've never given your life to Jesus. I just said it before. If you want to operate in this authority, if you want to be able to use that name, you have to be born again. The Bible says the demons are not subject to you. They're subject to the fact that your name is written in heaven. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Are your sins forgiven? Have you given your life over to Jesus? Is your record clean? Have you made, have you made peace with God through Jesus Christ? If not, you need to do so right now. If you have in the past, but you've come in off the route, off the path. In the past, you used to serve God. You were on fire for God. You healed the sick, raised the dead. You were on fire. You were doing evangelism. You were reading your Bible. You were praying, but you've gotten lukewarm, and you're not ready to meet the Lord. And you know it. The fire has gone out. You've gone back to old things. Like a dog returns to its vomit, you've returned to your old ways. God's not angry at you. God's not mad at you. He's calling you home. He's saying, son, come home. Daughter, return. The Bible says, draw near to God and he'll beat you over the head. No, he'll draw near to you. He'll be a very present help for you in time of trouble. If you've gotten yourself into a mess because of years of sinful living, he'll get you out of that mess. Come to me, he said. I'll make your, I'll, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest, but you have to come. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you need to do so now. If you have, but you want to rededicate your life to Jesus today, you do that right now. I want you to pray this with me from the bottom of your heart. Say, uh, say, Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you. I repent of sin. Forgive me. Wash me clean. For I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess Jesus is Lord of my life. From today, I'm not turning back. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Where I was weak, strengthen me. Let all things become new today. I'm moving forward. And though none go with me, I've decided to follow Jesus. And there's no turning back. Heaven is my home. God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord, and I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to come in contact. I want you to contact me on my website, salvationnow.ca. The first link that pops up is I just got saved. Click that link, fill it out. I want to get you to you a gift. I'm not going to send, send you uh, letters asking for money. We don't do any of that. I literally want to bless you. I want to give you a gift. I want to send you uh, some, some resources, a Bible, some books that are going to help you in this new adventure with Jesus Christ. I want to make sure that you endure to the end. If you're not in a church, you're not plugged into a church, you need to plug in. Find a good Bible-believing, Spirit-filled church that preaches the power of God and, uh, and plug in. Make sure you're there this Sunday and your life will never be the same. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.